0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the NFL Draft Triple Take presented by UPMC Mike Persuda along with Dale Lolly and Matt Williamson. Uh, we are the first line of Triple Take here at uh, Steelers.com and on all of the Steelers social media platforms. Hopefully, you've been keeping up since this process began last month. If you have not, here's how it's been working and how it's going to continue to work leading up to the NFL Draft at the end of April. We take a position-by-position look at the prospects. We've gone through all the positions once, so instead of giving you our top five, again, we are adjusting, uh, and after further review, coming up with a riser, a faller, and a sleeper as we continue our draft prep. And today, we are talking about quarterbacks, and I know quarterbacks get all the attention all the time, but Matt, I think all the uh, uncertainty, shall we say, this year, uh, you know, the, the, the standard... Uh, narrative had, has been for a long time now. While there's no Trevor Lawrence, there's no clear cut number one guy. You don't know what you're going to get with these guys. And yet anybody going to be surprised if four of them go in the first round?
1: Right. I mean, when it's all said and done, they're always in demand I mean, I know people have been hard on this class and yeah, there's not a Trevor Lawrence. There's not an Andrew Luck, but I still think there's five guys that may end up starting a lot of games when it's all said and done. And uh, clearly, I mean, this is, you know, a draft correlates with the draft, but it's been a crazy, crazy offseason in the quarterback world. Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson. I mean, big names are moving and trades. And so that opens up some new spots too.
2: Yeah, this is not the 2013 draft class. This is not E.J. Manuel and Geno Smith that, uh, uh, you know, people are looking at. But they're kind of talking about it that way. Dale, should Uh, we date ourselves
0: and say it's not the 1983 draft? It's certainly not that either, though, Mike. I would agree with that. Yes. (laughs) Do I remember all those guys? Dan Marino, John Elway. Ken O'Brien. Ken O'Brien was the outlier. There was two more, right? Tony Eason.
2: Tony Eason was in there and the kid from Penn State, right? Blackledge blackledge there you go
0: we're good a a fearsome fivesome if ever there was one i don't think uh we've got quite that to work with this time either but i you know the more i get into this process and maybe it's just uh familiarity and you know you you get a little more impressed with recent exposures but i'm starting to like a lot of these guys and i'm starting to love my riser and this is going to be kind of inconsistent with uh, the spirit of the thing as dicky dunn would say but Uh, Malik Willis was my number one guy when we did the top five and Malik Willis is my riser because he did his pro day and Malik Willis put on a show guys and I, I get what it is I get that the first read is the only read and I get that the guy is always open and I get that there's no rush and that you're throwing in a controlled environment but this kid put on a show there were some questions. Uh, about his deep ball, among other things, as people have tried to gauge his readiness. And I don't care if it's against no coverage and no rush. When you can run around behind the line of scrimmage the way he did and turn and fire the ball 65 yards downfield and hit a guy in stride at the goal line, I'm impressed. Uh, his his personality was oozing through my television screen. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah who's done way more of these things than I have. Uh, these pro days, said it was the most joyful one he'd ever seen. He also said he couldn't uh, remember seeing a better exhibition of deep ball throwing. Uh, I still don't think Malik Willis is a day one, game one, season one, you know, plug and play guy. But that upside, Matt, to me at least, just keeps going a little higher and a little higher and a little higher. Yeah,
1: and the more and more you learn about them, the more you have to like them. And, you know, kind of what you said too is, Okay, you know, maybe he doesn't read defenses or his accurate or, or his anticipation isn't where it needs to be the second you put him on the field. But okay, um, well then he shrugs off a, a defensive end and buys two more seconds and somebody gets wide open and he drills a football to him, or he you know tucks in and runs for 20 yards. I mean, he has some trump cards that are gonna get him out of the problems
0: he puts himself in. Dale, we had talked uh the last time we did quarterbacks about Even if you don't want to plug and play this guy, you could have a package for him. You can can do things, yeah. He could be your third and one guy. He could be your goal line guy. He could be your change of pace guy. You don't have to just sit him and learn and watch and be seen and not heard. He can contribute even if he's not the guy.
2: Yeah, that's the thing. That's the difference between these these guys who have that mobility factor uh, and, and the guys who are pure pocket passers that you can come up with things for these guys to do. Um, it, it, and it doesn't have to be uh, a Cordell Stewart-like slash, hey, put him out there at wide receiver. Now you put him at quarterback and just say, hey, go make a play. We need, we need two yards here. And so these guys can do it, and Malik Willis can definitely do that. Uh, there's a lot to like here. I, I, I like that you mentioned his personality because I've talked to him now a few times uh, between the senior bowl and not talked to him you know, privately, but been in situations where I've sat there and listened to him hold a press conference. And he is an impressive guy. He handles that stuff really well, which is what you want the, the face of your franchise to do. He's he's very laid back, uh, but you, you see that leadership quality in him. And and uh, I, I just, I love the kid.
0: Case okay, so you're not familiar with these shows. Uh, you might not be aware that Matt and Dale uh, formed the tag team for the show called The Drive on SNR. And uh, as that, uh, since they spent so much time together, they – Invariably pick the same guys uh, when we go through these lists. So which one of you wants to talk about riser Desmond Ritter? Go ahead, Matt. I'm really warming up to
1: him. I mean, I think his personality, his maturity is obvious. Um, He won 88% of his games at Cincinnati, and he really changed what that program is and how they're viewed nationally. Uh, He was the best tester at the combine. Willis didn't run. Um, but the big thing with Ritter for me is let me interrupt you for a second.
0: Willis didn't run in his pro day either. And they asked him why not. He said, Because I know I'm fast.
1: I mean, Lamar didn't run either. You know, like we know you're (laughs) fast. You know, there's nowhere to go but down. But here's the thing is like when, when I was brought up in the scouting world, it was kind of taught to me, and it was certainly true that court, a Matt quarterbacks don't get more accurate in the NFL. Well, that adds up, things are harder. But lately, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, more and more you're seeing guys improve their accuracy at the highest level of play. And the reasoning behind it is technology's so far advanced, the biometrics and all this stuff. And Ritter's been working out with Josh Palmer, and they've they've talked about it publicly that his stride length was a bit of an issue, and that's why I hid this throw some balls where you say, what went wrong there? And he's gotten better and better with his accuracy. And I trust some of these quarterback gurus to work out those kinks with things like biometrics that I don't know anything about.
0: Dale, let's talk about uh, the faller category, because uh, believe it or not, I think <laughs> you and Matt have come up with a different guy.
2: Oh, good. Really? Oh, okay. Well, my faller is Carson Strong. Uh, oh, that's there was... my faller too. Okay, yeah, there was there – was... <laughs> There was some talk that maybe this guy might work his way into the uh, the conversation to be into the top five type conversation, and you know watching him throw the football, you know there you know he's a pocket passer. Uh, he's not the most mobile guy. He is coming off of a major knee injury, uh, but watching him throw the football at the combine, the accuracy that you'd want to see from a guy who's purely a pocket passer wasn't the ball placement wasn't great. And yeah, so I just
0: told us that the accuracy doesn't matter anymore. You get better like that because of stuff. he doesn't. <laughs> yeah.
2: Understand. But
0: I want to see them make, I want to <laughs> see them be accurate
2: when they're throwing the ball against air, when there's no defenders there. And a lot of his like crossing patterns and things of that nature were down low where they were, you know, a little bit behind and things of that nature. And I, and I just think that, you know, he's going to be there in the third round for somebody he, that doesn't mean he can't be a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got size. He's, he's got a big arm. Uh, But I just don't see him breaking that top five this year.
0: You know, Matt, one of the other troubles is it's not like a drop back pocket passer is totally extinct. But you better have 10 years of experience and a lot of right in helmet uh, savvy built up over the years to make the quick read and to, you know, get the ball where it needs to be as quick as it has to get there. And guys coming in just don't have that. Right. I mean,
1: guys like a Mac Jones a year ago, you better be pretty far advanced mentally. And I'm not saying strong isn't, but my write-up of him was, yeah, he's a big strong arm pocket passer, but if that's all you can do, you need to blow my doors off throwing the football. And he was fine, but he wasn't uh, amazing, you know, in the postseason and whatnot. I also wanted to throw Bailey Zappi out there. He was my faller because he
0: was No, the, no.
1: I mean, he was that sixth guy at the Senior Bowl. And, you know, the postseason, he just doesn't look like he throws it well enough.
0: I'll tell you what, I didn't do a, a deep, deep dive on Bailey Zappi, but I watched Michigan State play Western Kentucky this year. And other than when Michigan State played Ohio State, that was the guy I was the most afraid of all season long. Really? In, ter- in terms of the other season's quarterback. It's like the tide. Just drop back, throw, drop back, throw, <laughs> drop back, throw, drop back, throw. It just didn't stop. It was yeah. relentless. And he, d- he did an awful lot in college, but I'm with you on the pro evaluation. But I'm sorry, by the way, that I, I had the temerity to suggest that you guys would have taken a different player there. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I was looking at. But, we uh, may have a
2: different sleeper, Mike.
0: Two, two, fall, two uh, Carson Strong is falling uh, entries. I colored outside the lines a little bit. My faller is uh, everyone besides Malik Willis, with the possible <laughs> exception of Kenny Pickett, because I just don't see all these other guys. Okay, he does this well, but he does that well, but he could be this, but that. Uh, they've all got, uh, shall we say, a potential blemish or uh, uh an unknown, uh, something that might make you a little nervous. Uh, I I find it astounding. I opened the show by saying we won't be surprised if four of these guys go in the first round. But, uh, Matt, we probably won't be surprised if one of them goes in the first round either. Oh,
1: right. I mean, you look at a team like Detroit picking 32 or some of the teams picking early second round that have quarterback needs that aren't going to use an early first round pick for it. They could trade back in. We just know they always go.
0: Dale, uh, Kenny Pickett's, you know, yeah, but seems to be the hand size thing. Yeah. And a lot of people aren't going to pay any attention to that, but some are, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, especially if you're a cold-weather team, um, you know, you're going to look at that and say, okay, is is this going to be an issue for us? Um, you know, the fumbles weren't as big an issue last season for him as they had been in previous seasons. He only had three last year. Um, but you look at it and you go, okay, that, that hand size, I mean – historically, guys with that hand size who are below nine inches just don't have a ton of success in the NFL. Doesn't mean that he can't. Doesn't mean that he won't. I mean, the, the, the gloves that he wears uh, are legal, so there's no reason to, to, to say that, well, he wears gloves. Who cares? They're legal. You're allowed to do it. But, uh, yeah, it, it will be an issue for some teams. Um, you know, that's that's just the reality of it.
1: I'm betting Dale and I have the same sleeper, by the way.
0: (laughs) We might. We might. Uh, Yeah, you do. Matt, before we get to that. (laughs) Didn't take an Ivy leaguer to figure that out. Uh, I I wanted to ask you about Pickett before we moved on, Matt. Uh, Something Daniel Jeremiah the NFL Network said during the combine coverage. He said he researched uh, the fumbles and most of them when Pickett occurred, when Pickett was trying to run or, you know, evade in the pocket. And he said, invariably, it was the trail hand coming off the ball. Daniel Jeremiah, who was the former quarterback at App State, which, mm-hmm. you know, has beat Michigan. So you take his word to, to heart. <laughs> can, you, can you naturally run with two hands on the ball? Or is that easier uh, said than done in terms of changing your style?
1: I think that's great analysis and look no further than, you know, who the Steelers played with for the last two decades and his ability to pump fake with one hand on the ball or shrug one guy off with that off arm. I mean, what an advantage that is. And that's what worries me about Pickett's hands is if he can't, really control that football especially when it gets harder or it's wet or cold or whatever that that's that's when the ball comes out and it's just hard to you know uh, consistently operate with two hands on the football plus you don't run
0: as fast yeah I I think it's it's unnatural too I mean yeah yeah, yeah just balance and everything else I
2: will say this guys the quarterback with the largest hands in the NFL right now is Dak Prescott and fumbles are an issue for him so it's yeah. not, oh, yeah, it's yeah. not just a hand size things. It's a pocket presence thing, presence thing as well. You know, do you feel the pressure when it's coming? And so that, that can be part of it as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Dale, how big are uh, EJ Perry of Brown's hands? You know what? I don't know. And I
2: don't care because <laughs> he does every, you know, if you look at his athleticism, um, you know, he's not going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Maybe, I mean, maybe he develops into one. But you could do some stuff with this guy as your backup. Maybe maybe he turns into the next uh, – uh,
1: Taysom Hill is the obvious yeah, example. Yeah, he, I mean, yeah, you know, right.
2: that kind of guy. He's 6'2", he's 2'11", so not huge, but but decent size. But he ran a 4.65, looked really athletic at the combine, throws the ball fine. Um, you know, I, I, there's a lot there to, to work with. He's an Ivy League guy, so you, you look at that and you say, okay, maybe he's – Maybe he's a little smarter than your average bear. And uh, you know, he, I could see him having a, a Ryan Fitzpatrick like career where he's just kind of one of these guys that hangs around for for 10, 15 years and and is always uh landing in spots where he, you know, he gets a chance to come in and, and ride in on the on the uh, white horse and save the day.
0: Matt, am I remembering this correctly? Was Perry one of the uh, quote unquote throwing quarterbacks at the combine? Mm, that I'm not, sure no, right. uh, okay. Not, okay. I'm not sure about. No, I don't think he was. Okay,
1: no, he okay. he
2: te- he tested and everything.
1: Yeah, I I think he's interesting. I mean, transferred from Boston College. Um, you know, Brown missed a year because of COVID, if not more. They they did a, a big stretch there of no. Yeah, they football. missed the entire
2: 2020 season. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and, but then he was the MVP of the East-West Shrine Game. Uh, really lit it up at the combine and smart. Tough as Dale mentioned. Like, I think he's the personal protector on the punt team. And, you know, you snap it to him and he throws the ball and gets you out of a game. And maybe he's a short yardage rusher at times. Just somebody you want to add to the mix. I mean, a Taysom Hill type. And again, Dale and I had the exact same three. Mike, I mean believe this or not, but during the drive during the season on Fridays, we make score predictions and there was a stretch a year ago that we had like 10 in a row where we picked the exact same score. I mean, it No, was I a believe. It. Yeah. Yeah, the, I, to, to the, to the it, point yeah. where I would have
2: hit, I would write my score down and then have nice. math, and it was comp- it was completely random and we were getting the same score every time. I yeah, it's
0: it's not a it's, hard we, sell that the, the we share a yourself. we <laughs> share a brain. It's <laughs> scary. Uh, My sleeper is uh, purely a a numbers guy, Uh, Cole Kelly, southeastern Louisiana, 6'7", 249, threw for over 10,000 yards and 85 touchdowns, ran for 841 yards and 38 touchdowns in college. What do we want from quarterbacks, guys? We want people with size. We want people who can throw it, and we want people who can also run it.
2: Yeah, yeah. We also want uh, people to lead their team to touchdowns. You mentioned a, there were a lot of touchdowns there, man. A
0: lot of touchdowns. So you know what? I didn't do a deep dive on deep dive on this guy, but uh, uh, I caught a glimpse of of the numbers. And yeah, okay, sure. For a sleeper quarterback, why not?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, like if, if you bring that guy a guy like that in as a camp arm, you never know. Um, he he could Plus, turn into off-season something. Plus, your off
0: season basketball team got a lot better
2: you
1: know
0: 67249 yeah. playing against the gym teachers and people <laughs> like that i i think he could post a few of those guys up he, i'm sure he a did. tight end
1: too i mean they, one maybe. of those logan thomas types you know
0: it's it has been known to happen just uh get athletes and figure out what they do best once you get them that's going to do it for our quarterback further review i want to remind everybody that uh, you can catch all of these types of shows on all of the Steelers social media platforms we're going to keep doing it and doing it and doing it between now and the NFL Draft at the end of April. Thanks for finding us for this version, however, and wherever you found us. Until next time, for Matt Williamson and Dale Lawley, I'm Mike Pursuta, and this has been the NFL Draft Triple Take presented by UPMC.